Hi there, welcome back to Journeys. I'm Jeremy Bacon, the CEO of Synapse Software Labs. Uh, this is the podcast where we talk about the good and the bad of building great teams, great products, and great companies with a customer-centric vision. I'm joined today by a good friend of mine, Sean Carpenter, who is the CEO of RepIQ, a rapidly growing uh, software company here in Chicago that's focused on sales enablement tools. Thanks, Jeremy. Yeah, good thanks for here. coming in. Yeah, yeah. For yeah. Sure. I, I, did, I, did I do a good job of introducing I, the business? I think in you a did, nutshell? yeah. Yeah, I mean, we're basically building a sales intelligence engine, um, and it's, you know, we're about a year into it, and mm -hmm. we're really starting to scale things up, and we've got a great team in place, so we're excited to help salespeople in the Chicago area and uh, across the country. Yeah, it's an exciting product. Yeah. Well, what's fun, too, is this isn't your first rodeo. You've done this a couple of times now, and so we'll, we'll talk a little bit about that today during our discussion sure. uh, as we kind of wind our way through your journey and to, to, to where you have been, where you are now, and where the business is going. So, cool. Yeah, we're happy Looking to have you here. Right. Cool. So with that, why don't we go ahead and do that? Um, I'm trying to think of when we first met. It's been, I don't know, 10 years yeah, or more or something. It's been yeah. a long time. Um, and at the time, you were working on a hot new startup here in town, which is yeah. now a mature, well, still growth stage, awesome software company. Yep. Um, why don't we go back to the origin story for that business? Because sure. you had a very cool history before that. Yep. And I think that would blend in nicely to how you got going yeah. as, a, as an entrepreneur. Yeah, so prior to starting YCharts, I was at Google as part of, I was on their revenue intelligence team. Uh, I was there about three and a half years. And, and doing the work at Google, I had access to uh, basically the entire database both on the ad side uh, and the query side and we worked with really large advertisers right that spent 20 to 150 million dollars a year mm -hmm. um, and really leveraged data to figure out you know how can we help companies scale and I learned how to really get good at just using big data and visualizing information really well and I've always had an interest in the market so uh, my wife didn't love this but I said I'm gonna quit Google and I'm gonna start a new company Y charts uh, like, why would you do that right yeah. well I kind of got obsessed yeah. with the fact that um, I had done a startup back in the dot-com boom in the in the financial services space called Wall Street View and so now I found myself 10 years later at Google and nothing had changed. It was still Yahoo Finance and then you had Bloomberg and S&P and some of these other big players, yeah. Morningstar. Um, so I said, you know, someone's got to change this. Like somebody should build a web-based platform to visualize all of this financial data. Um, and so we set out to do that in 2009 and we've scaled it now to 50 people, two offices, New York and Chicago. Um, and it's, it's on a really just consistent path uh, north. Um, so I think it'll be a good you know, outcome for everybody, yeah. um, but really fun to build. Well, it's a good business and it's made yeah. a big impact as well, which is nice. It's good when you're able to do that and, and fulfill the vision. So um, post that then, uh, going back just over a year and change ago now, you yep. said, all right, well, I've had a lot of fun building the first one. There's another opportunity that you sort of had discovered, if I'm not mistaken, because of some of the pain points you were having yourself yep. in trying to build your sales organization and continue to scale the other business. So yeah, exactly. So the you know, in building wide charts up to 50 people, 25 of those are in sales. Mm -hmm. And we bought everything from inside sales to uh, HubSpot to Marketo to, you know, Yesware and Tout App and uh, base CRM, like all so many stuff, different yeah. systems. And at the end of the day, what we were doing is taking all of that information and putting it into spreadsheets to try to optimize our sales teams. And I just looked at this and thought, this is crazy. Like somebody's got to do something to make it a little bit easier for you to get access to the data you need to sell mm -hmm. and then to track all of the activities that are happening as you're doing your outreach. Right. And we really uh, want to make it so that it's sort of like Google Analytics on the web. RepIQ, we're building the analytics and the data for you to run your sales teams and really learn from what's working and what's not. Because as we talk to you know, sales teams, a lot of people are sort of making it up. They kind of wing it out. You just closed a big deal with XYZ company, so you think you're going to close all the other ones that look like that one, right? That's right. a lot of the thinking that goes through, uh, through teams. But 
you're, there's a lot of data coming out of your SDR teams, your AE teams, your, you know, your executive level teams uh, that you can start to harness and really get smarter about. And right. that's really what we're trying to do. Well, I think too, what's interesting is, you know, as, as you grew the, as you grew Y charts, um, you also had an opportunity to start building out a customer success team to deal with the existing customers. I know that's also turned into a great yep. channel for new, new sales. Yeah. So how, how do you, how did you go about sort of managing that process of and and what was it that, what was the point at which you said wait a second there's there's we're leaving you know dollars and, and, and yep. dimes on the table here with our existing clientele yeah I think as we started to scale up our sales team and started to close you know lots of customers you get to that point where you realize churn is a big problem right mm -hmm. um, and you have to it's a lot cheaper to keep your existing customers than to get new ones so I think you know in we started our sales team in th 2013 by 15, we had a lot of customers, thousands of customers, right? Um, and we needed to make sure that they were very happy and, and really getting a lot of value out of the platform so mm -hmm. that they wouldn't turn out and, and they would uh, you know, get a lot of value. So uh, we started building that team out and really got you know, our account managers doing monthly, quarterly check-ins, doing webinars and training to really just get the, the customer base you know, really engaged with our platform. And that, that has paid huge dividends. And now what you, you know, the nirvana is you start to see negative churn, which right. we're starting to see now at YCharts, where uh, we'll have every month upgrades coming in from existing customers because they're happy and getting lots of value. And that's, yeah. that makes it so much easier to scale your MRR growth and everything else. Yeah, absolutely. Well, that's, that's, that's the key. That's why, that's why success is so important. Yeah, yeah absolutely. So the other thing I think that was interesting about the way that you ultimately came to the conclusion to start RepIQ is that you've, you've, had the, you've got this data background and you've yep. always been focused on data products and data businesses. And as you said, with this, in the world of sales, particularly direct outbound sales, um, even though there are a thousand tools out there to help us manage our pipeline, yep. right, there, are not a, there still aren't a lot of great tools out there to help us really derive intelligence about the people that we're trying to sell to yep. based on the target personas that we've developed and everything else. Right. And, uh, and so, you know, you're in this unique position where you're creating this data model and, and these analytics to help drive the right prospects or the right co like potential leads, if you will, in front yep. of the SDR, right? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think that the you couldn't do what we're doing, I think, even five years ago. Mm -hmm. Technology's moved so fast that my co-founder came out of Amazon. He's got uh, six patents on the Amazon recommendation engines, lead inventor on, on all of those. Um, and he, he's able to do things at a scale that you could I don't think you could do three to five years ago. Mm -hmm. So we're now uh, indexing almost a million companies, right, uh, and getting lots of key intelligence about those companies. So when you think about, you know, who am I going to sell to, you and I might be able to think of some good companies that we might want to go after, but right. we have a million companies in our database and we have all of these attributes that you might care about right. that you can key off of. Um, and then you can get really hyper-focused on your ideal customer profile and really you know, go after those companies that are likely to close. And when you combine that with the analytics, you, you kind of validate that you're right. Yeah. So you, you make that an initial hypothesis, this is who I'm going to sell to, use these certain uh, filters to go after them, and then the analytics tracks your success and it can really validate that it's working or it's not. Right. And it, 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 you get out of this world where you think it's working, you're not really sure. Right, yeah. Well, that, that to me is what's interesting about the way that sales and both sales sort of, of the hunter style, where we're going after new business, yeah. uh, as well as the sales that are focused on the farming side of things, going after more business with our existing clientele. Yeah. Um, traditional sales tools, just, they, they, they kind of don't meet those needs anymore. I mean, yeah. to your point, the world has changed so much in five years, both 
technologically as well as just the way that we operate as individuals and as companies and as buyers of stuff. Sure. Um, that you know, it's time for a whole new wave yeah. of, of cool technology. Well, and all of the social media that's out there, like mm -hmm. there's so many signals now that you have both on the hunting side and on the farming side yeah. that mm -hmm. can make you very smart about when you do outreach to various uh, customers. Yeah. Um, so if somebody's hiring or firing or growing or new funding or whatever is happening, they're hiring a new VP of sales, like that might be a good thing for you to know on both sides of the hunting and farming. Absolutely. Uh, right? Like I think when we first started doing customer success at, at Ycharts, we you know, would basically do a quarterly check-in mm -hmm. to hope that they were going to not cancel, right? Right, right. Uh, and that's how a lot of it's done. And it's very timid. Uh, is everything okay? <laughs> right, right, exactly. It's like one of those. You're yeah. almost afraid to call. <laughs> exactly. Maybe they, they, exactly. I've been talking for a quarter. And I have right. no idea yeah, who they are, what they like, what they don't like. Yeah. 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 But if you know that, you know, XYZ person happened to just do some big thing in their career or a company, mm -hmm. and then you reach out and there's context there, I think those conversations go much differently and much better. For sure. Well, you just raised an interesting point too, right? And I I think nowadays the world is potentially quite possibly over focused on analytics as a thing, right? We kind of think big data, we think like big data and numbers and stuff's gonna make our lives easier. And it yeah. does in certain ways, but I think oftentimes people are disappointed by the promise of analytics and big data yeah. because they assume it's just gonna give them the answer and it, yeah. it doesn't, right? You still have to do the work and you For still sure. have to figure it out. But you know, the, the point you made a second ago, which I thought was interesting is, and, and it would be fun to talk about, is um, the situation in which you know, you've got a customer who hires a brand new VP of sales. Yep. Right? And in the world of, of hunting and farming, uh, if I'm a CSM at an organization and I find out that my, my, my client has just hired a new VP of sales, like, yep. I absolutely want to know that because right. I absolutely have to go meet that person and get yep. to know that person, understand what, how they value the role of success, yep. right? How they value the role of, um, versus the role of, of traditional sales or account management or yep. any, anything else. It's important to know. Yeah, on the flip sure. side, of course, I go sell them more stuff. Like my, my sales team needs to know that too. Yeah, but, you know. yeah those signals, like I, I don't know that you could have done that even five years ago, right? The, it, you would have to do it very manually. Mm -hmm. Now there are so mm -hmm. many ways to, like we're running hundreds of crawlers at a time, yeah. Yeah. right? And they're looking at everything, yeah. right? So we, you know, we say what, the web is the new database, right? Yeah, for sure. Like we're, we're out there looking for you. Um, well, and you have to too, right? Because I mean, five years ago, for example, um, before LinkedIn yep. tr like truly went like mega institutional and locked everything down, like it was a great source to go as a single potential source to go find information and pull triggers and pull data and get, and get an understanding. But obviously yep. as they mature their business model and lock that data set down, it makes it yep. much more difficult. And it's not just them. Everybody else has sort of said, well, shoot, I've got this, dig, this big data set. How am I going to monetize that and create extra value for my, my company? Which, yeah, it's fine. It's fair. It's your, yep. it's your business. But it makes it more difficult for, for individual businesses to access that critical information about sure. their clients. And so they all kind of have to go build it themselves. Yep. And that's part of the promise of, you know, of the marketing automation world. And say, like, well, you can't, it's hard to get all that data yourself, so you can build it using our platform. But yep. again, that's only one small layer of it. And so uh, the ability to step in and help aggregate different data points and touch points from yeah. across the internet is a, is a huge value add. Well, I look at it as, you know, like we've just started this a year ago, but I'm looking out five years from now, mm -hmm. what is going to be possible, yeah. right? Yeah. Like we're going very fast um, in you know the, the, the start of the company, but five years from now, I think we're going to be able to do things, the signals, the data that's being created. Like when you look at the stats of how much data has been created in the last you know two years, yeah. like it's like most of the data in the world. Right, in the world, right? yeah, in the history of the world, right. exactly. Yeah. yeah, so I mean, that's going to not stop. Right. It'll just keep getting that that's just going to shorten it'll be like you know right. next maybe three years or five years from now it's we're creating all of the world's data in a year right, right. and then six months and then a quarter and then a month and right. then a week because it's just going to keep keep growing yeah and so figuring out how do you filter through that data 
mm -hmm. right, and, and get smart information because you're going to be overloaded with data, yeah. right? right? But if you can get the context somehow uh, with an intelligent system or yeah. systems, uh, you're going to be way ahead of the game, right? Well, and that's key, too, I think, for in, in a number of ways. A, to finding new opportunities to, to sell products and services to, to your clientele, but also to make them happy yeah. and, to, and to do those things in a way that's not creepy, right? I mean, one of the other problems and challenges that we all, as consumers of products, bump into is like, there's a lot of really powerful, intelligent stuff out there, but it, it, it really, a lot of it, I should say, sort of falls squarely on the side of creepy versus yeah. cool, if that right. makes sense. And no. we're getting fatigued as consumers, like yeah. to the point where we don't want to buy stuff from people who know too much about us, or right. at least let us know they know too much about us, right? Yeah. So how do you feel about that, that, that world and, and, and yeah. where, does, where, does, where do you think the, the, the market goes and how do, what do you think companies have to do to sort of adjust and I, I think the, we used to say this at Google, you know, you kind of, if the utility of, of sharing the data is high enough, mm -hmm. people will share the data, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. So I think in general, if, and, and this has really been applied to the consumer side of things, but I think enterprise is going to go, you know, just as fast towards this mm -hmm. to where if I, if you're going to reach out to me as a salesperson and you know enough about me to where you know that I'm using Salesforce or whatever technologies and you know that I'm hiring and doing all of these things and your product fits with what my company does and I can tell, see the context of that, then I know that's probably a good conversation to have with you. Like all of that context and you knowing all this stuff about me actually helps me feel better about it versus the world we're in right now I think is with this automation of emails and all of this stuff that's happening. You know, you and I probably both get 10 to 15 SDRs emailing us cold, you know, every, every day. Every single day, right? yeah. Like, yeah. I think it's a, so to share more information, to know more about people, and then to do outreach in context, I think it helps and, and people get over the, the, you know, the scary parts of you knowing everything about me. Mm -hmm. But there's, there's definitely lines you've got to, you know, cross. You know, there's definitely a lot of tracking that's going on on the yeah. web. I mean, yeah. everyone's being tracked everywhere. Right. Uh, yeah. So some of this stuff, if you happen to know somebody just opened something uh, and you call them that second, like that, you got to use your judgment. Like, well, yeah. It, not. I mean, we know that's a, the, to, to your point. We know it's happening. We know it's yeah. there. But it and that's okay um, if if you use it intelligently. Right. right. Like the, yeah. yeah. The the. <laughs> The worst calls are the ones that you get, e even from an existing vendor, the worst ones are the ones you get like in the moment, right? Because yeah. you, 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 it's just creepy. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 It's but I think the trend is definitely not to sharing less information. I agree, actually. Right? I, think, I think we're going to share more. I mean, yeah. I think the, uh, the idea of, of privacy as a, as a thing itself is it's yeah. rapidly transitioning and transforming. And we both have kids, and yeah. mine are a little older than yours. And so, you know, mine are squarely in the teenage years, but I've got, you know, and down into, into, the, into the single digits. But, like, um, the way they view privacy and the way they view sharing of information and, yeah. and whatnot is totally different from the way that we do and certainly different from the way that our parents do. And this is natural. It's a, right. you know, this, this, this is how sort of society evolves and yeah. the world moves on. And well, my kids even think typing is not... Good. Like they only talk to their devices, which yeah. you know that's a trend that's interesting. To yeah, yeah. Keep coming. Yeah, and as I say, five years from now, yeah. I, I wouldn't be surprised if if, if that's the primary source for. Yeah for communicating with our devices. So I want to switch gears a little bit. Um, sure. You've built a bunch of teams over your over your career. Um, I'd love to spend a couple minutes just sort of getting your two cents on what it takes to build a good team um, and how you how you go about sort of leading and guiding and mentoring your teams. Yep. 
Yeah, I mean, I think the key is, at least what I've seen is, I've made every mistake in the book. So my first company, I hired a bunch of my friends. Not a good idea, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. uh, with After go, spending some time at Classified Ventures and then Google, starting white charts, I hired you know people that I just knew uh, did not overlap and that I trusted a lot mm -hmm. and that were really smart at what they were, uh, what their role was, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, so I, I feel like when you're first starting up your team, if you can get, uh, you know, every position covered and not have overlap, so everyone has very clear goals on what they're gonna do, that helps you go really fast. Mm -hmm. So if you start to have people that have overlap, you kind of, you know, you have two people, but we're both doing the same thing, like that's not good in a startup. You really need to have every single person in their lane. Um, and and th I think that's how you go fast. That gets harder as you scale up, right? Yeah. So when you get to 50 people, right, at, at Ytrets, you have now, you definitely start to get managers involved in things. and. The, the trick is to figure out how do you keep making fast decisions mm -hmm. and stay true to you know what you're going after and it gets definitely harder as you get bigger yeah it's yeah. easy when you have you know five to ten 20 people I think once you get over 20 it starts to get a little harder for sure well, it's also as the business begins to institutionalize you you yeah. have no choice but to make it more complex right to bring more process and more systems and more yeah. people and more procedure in place and that naturally adds a layer of managerial oversight that's required and everything yeah. else, you know. Yeah. So you mentioned that when you you know when you're hiring a, when you're hiring your teams, you're looking for people that don't have direct overlap in terms of the, their those their skill sets. Yeah. Um, are there ways that particular ways or methods that you use to go about evaluating uh, those folks to sort of determine, okay, you know, Billy Bob is going to be great at this and yeah. Susan's going to be great at this. How do you sort of do that? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, I look at, you know, you, you have certain roles you need, right? Like you, you need someone that's going to kind of lead strategy and vision and deal with investors and mm -hmm. all of that stuff um, and do the initial sales. But then, you know, at least in a software company, you need strong developers, but you need developers that are also complementary to each other and not overlapping, mm -hmm. right? So uh, I've worked with my co-founder, John, to really figure out, like with our core team with RepIQ, you know, how do we get uh, developers that complement what he can do, mm -hmm. right? Um, and the same thing on the marketing side of things. Things and, and sales, we kind of just need to really, uh, you know, find really strong people in those areas. And then I think the biggest thing is once you find them, letting them actually do the work. Yeah. So I try to, like, I think it's hard to do. Like I'm always trying to push things faster, but you kind of have to, if you're leading the, the team, let them do their jobs, right? Yeah. Like maybe yeah. you think you know something that they're missing, but you're, you're most of the time you're better off like letting it play out and everyone learns from it because you're, you're, you're kind of building a machine mm -hmm. across the whole team. It's not just individual people, right? Yeah, absolutely. So I try to like take a look at, at, at the machine versus the individual people as much as I can. Mm -hmm. um, and I've seen that people generally react well to that. And sometimes they may feel like, you know, uh, I really have full control now. To some people that can be scary, but yeah. It, yeah. once they know it, then they kind of excel, I think, in most cases. I would agree, and especially, you know, if they know what they've been hired for, and it's very clear what they're there to do, and yep. you, you clearly trust that person enough to do that job that you hired them, so it makes all the sense in the world to say, great, now go, go do it. Let's right. work hard and let's make sure we're checking in and following up and doing yep. the right things, but yeah. Yeah, yeah and it's yeah. great when, they, when those people, depending on their role, start to take ownership and then communicate back to the team, mm -hmm. right? I love it when I'm not having to ask people what's going on. Mm -hmm. They're communicating whatever their role is to out to the team. So this is what's going on with marketing. This is what's going on with dev. This is what's going on with you know financials, whatever. Um, but it's it's where the team is all contributing to the organization. It's not kind of the CEO's 
monitoring everything that's happening. Right, yeah, right. CEOs aren't micromanaging things. Yeah. yeah, well, I think that's a that's a tendency that most people, particularly in, in young businesses or, or as first-time entrepreneurs, have, right? And yeah. I think that's one of the things that actually stifles growth the most for companies is, um, is uh, when you have a founder or a founding team that, um, that can't quite figure out how to let go and yep. delegate and move away so that the people that you've hired who are better at a lot of the stuff than you are can yep. go in there and actually do their job. Yep. Yeah, it happens all the time. Yeah, yeah and the other thing I've seen is if you get really good people, a lot of times like the your perspective changes because you're hopefully learning a lot from everybody, mm-hmm. right? And yeah. it helps the organization go after bigger goals. Like we have definitely seen that with Rep IQ where we're you know, definitely going after a big, a big problem and we know it's hard, but we know if we spend the extra time, we're gonna uh, have a much different type of company um, and be able to do much bigger things. But but I think it's a combination of the team we put together that's kind of said like let's let's not, we could do these simple things, but um, we think it's much more valuable for us to go out and do the, the really hard things. Yeah, right. Yeah. Well, that's the hard stuff, the stuff that no one else is doing. That's yeah. That's where the well, in the space is. we're both in, right? There's yeah. a lot of noise out oh, there. Tons, yeah. Right. Yeah. So. There's also a lot of old tools and a lot of systems that are antiquated and they, and they just don't work the way that the market works anymore. And yep. so, yeah, it's a great time to be building B2B enterprise software solutions yep. right now yep. in and around anything touching the customer or any part of the customer life cycle, I think. Yep. But I'm biased because that's that's <laughs> what <laughs> that's yeah. what we do. So, right. yeah, yeah, for sure. Cool. Yeah, I mean, I always think about it like uh, in com- competing in that space, just yeah. like a sports team, right? Yep. Like you have to have the best sports team playing in your market or you're yep. going to lose. Right. Right. Yeah. And if some people... You know, have asked me over the years doing mentoring and things like that, like about you know sharing your ideas early on and that kind of stuff. Like if anyone, if you can share your idea and someone's going to be able to do it, like you probably should go home already. Exactly. <laughs> right? like yeah. It's not worth going after if, if that's all you have. No, I, I agree wholeheartedly. Yeah, which is also something I think that that's important to take into your 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 broader team as well, right? So, uh, you mentioned before you got to think big, solve big problems, and I think it's important personally that we that we drive that message all the time, right? Yep. Like. The easy stuff is the easy stuff. Let the other people do that. Let's focus on something that's hard, right, that that no one else is going to do. Or if we're attacking a complicated, complex, but but relatively crowded market, which, I mean, the world of CRM, which I would throw you guys into the world of CRM as a sales enablement, sales intelligence engine, synapse in the world of CRM, but we're a different angle in the CRM space. There's a lot of different ways to play that market. And I think that's what makes it such a big and interesting market because... Not only is there a huge amount of room and, and, and white space, even though it's a very, you know, to use the blue ocean strategy moniker of red ocean, it's a red ocean from the outside, but inside yep. there's a lot of blue sea because people are, most organizations that is are doing things the old way, right? They're yep. either built on what's now ancient technology yep. or they have, you know, they're, they're, they've reached a point in their growth cycle where they have to attack the market in a certain way, which leaves huge opportunity for everybody else who's, in the trenches, right, building these you know early to growth stage, even late stage growth growth companies that that need better tools and better systems. So yeah, for sure. Yeah. Well, I look at it in the sales enablement space. There's definitely a lot of players out there, but uh, if you take the right uh, lens in terms of time frame, like mm-hmm. I didn't realize this when I started Ycharts. I think I know it now, but it takes you a good seven to ten years to yeah. build a real company. Absolutely. And even though there's a lot of noise out there, I will I, I'll bet a lot of those companies don't have that kind of horizon mm-hmm. in their mind. So if you can if you can slug through it and have the right investors behind you, and you can kind of make it through that time frame, yeah. you're going to build a big business. Yeah. Right. No, exactly. Uh, right. Most of it is like being able to just keep building. For that long, with everything, everybody you have involved. Yeah, right? you've got to have that vision. I, mean, I tell I, I tell folks all the time uh, that ask 
about how, how do I start a business where they come to me and say, I've got this idea, here's what I'd like to do. Yeah. It's like, great. How long is it going to take you to build that, right? right. Uh, and if, if the answer isn't five to seven years, then I'm like, then to your point before, just as just as it's dumb to be afraid of sharing your idea, like yeah. if you don't have something that's going to take you five to seven years to right. build, especially an enterprise, like yeah. don't bother because it's just a feature. It's yeah. not a product, and you yeah. can't make a company out of a feature, yeah. um, for sure. So that's it's <laughs> but to your point, you got to be able to have staying power. Yeah, you know, exactly. Keep your head down yeah, I think that's grind the, away with a startup. Yeah. I mean, that's one of the biggest things is just being able to keep doing it. Yeah. Right? You've got yeah. to keep everybody around you uh, on the company side, investor side, your network partners, all of that, um, just seeing where you're going. Yep. And then then it's it's not easy. It's still really hard, mm. but at least you have a pretty good chance that you're going to do it. Um, and I think a lot of these things, people are building uh, features that um, can be replicated very rapidly. Mm -hmm. And there are lots of big players in the space that can replicate them, right? Mm -hmm. uh, so you're, you're really in a, if you're building a company or a feature that you're trying to sell, and that's your, what, the whole game plan, that's usually not a very good plan. Yeah, yeah, right? it's a short-term game plan yeah. for sure. Yeah. yeah, not changing. So last question then for you that's related to this. How do you take that sort of five and seven year vision, yeah. right? You mentioned it's important to keep all the, stake, the stakeholders from investors to partners to clients to your team together. Yeah. How, do you, how do you keep your team sort of aligned and, and on point and thinking about that three, five, and seven year plan when you know they, with you, are buried in the, the week plan just to yep. try to get through that next release or that next phone call or that next sure. feature. Yeah, I mean, I think w what we do now with RepIQ is we do a demo Fridays, mm -hmm. right, for the dev team and actually for the whole company. But it's super powerful for us to focus on, like, this week what's getting done. Yeah. But then we'll spend a little bit of time kind of talking through the bigger picture of what we're building, right? Mm -hmm. um, so I think it, it's a fine balance. Like, you can't be thinking of where you're going to be seven years because you've got to get to year one, right, and year two and three. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and you have to get through week one, and right? So right. Yeah. It's, a, it's a fine balance to kind of see that. But I think if people are challenged and they have a autonomy to do their jobs well, like then and they buy into the overall vision that you're solving a real problem, right? Then then you can get people aligned to the vision. I think the other thing you have to do is you have to build kind of small successes over time mm -hmm. early on so that people feel that you're getting towards that vision, right? Yeah. Um, and that and that kind of gets it builds on itself. Yeah, no, I would agree. Yeah. I would agree. So a couple more questions for it before we have to before we have to go. I always like to hear uh, about Things that have that have been inspirational yeah. to uh, to my friends and to yeah. our guests on the show, whether it's books or a movie or songs or yeah. something. Could as you you know when you're slogging it out and doing stuff, are there are there a handful of books or experiences or, or things that you constantly or people that you constantly yeah. look back to and reflect on that keep you moving in the right direction? Yeah, I think uh, for me it's a lot of uh, other entrepreneurs that I've worked with mm -hmm. um, that have just done things where. They've slogged it out. They've made it through it, and then some of them have huge successes, right? But they actually enjoy what they're doing, um, like just working with people like that, like mm -hmm. guys like you and other people in the industry that uh, I get a lot out of. Like it's just fun to see people go from here's what I'm going to do, and then you actually see them be successful, doing it, yeah. right? Like, I, and the funny thing is, my my wife will like this, but my daughter watches Sh Shark Tank religiously, okay. so it's nice. hilarious. Like she's yeah. going to be a shark probably, yeah. But yeah. Uh, it's so funny to watch all of these things. Like she loves watching the. You saw the pitch, and then now this, they're, they're a successful company, right? Yeah, it's yeah. some grandma in Tennessee, and now they're selling whatever. Yeah. Uh, like just seeing people c take the, the jump to do something, which everyone, I think if you've been through it, you know it's not easy, yeah, right? right? You're literally creating something out of scratch from nothing, yeah, right? Yeah. And then to get people to rally around that and then have success, like the more times I see that show, 
you know, it's, it's just fun to see. Yeah, no, yeah. for sure. It's nice. It's, it's a good thing to see. And that's the thing, I think, you know, what's funny to me oftentimes is that uh, the, it's, it's always the, the giant successes that are celebrated broadly, right? Yeah. And that makes sense. I mean, the media is, is not really interested in the, in the, the, the you know, 10-person company that sells for $10 million after yeah. 5 or 10 or 15 years or just slogs it out forever and builds a wonderful business with super happy customers. Like, that's, yeah. that's, that doesn't make the news. It's not right. going to be on Crunchbase. Those are some of the best stories, yeah. though, right? It's like the, these, these people, these entrepreneurs, these teams yep. that figured out how, that, that figure out how to solve a problem and did a really good job of it and keep doing that. Right. Yeah. Um, I love the I love I love meeting people who um, you know have built these amazing businesses that you've never heard of before, right. but they but they've built them with this just um, I guess um, almost like religious fervor around this thing, whatever right. that thing is, and just focus on the customer, focus on the product, focus yep. on the team, and just do it. And, and yeah, go. like the base camp guys are obviously a good example of mm -hmm. that, right? Like mm -hmm. they, I bet a lot of people outside of, I mean, they're, they're relatively well known, but a lot of people probably wouldn't know who they are. Yeah, uh, yeah. Amazing yeah. business though, yeah. right? Uh, yeah. And yeah. core values, everything's really yeah. cool yeah, about them. exactly. Those yeah. are the fun ones, absolutely. Cool, cool. All right, well, geez, man, thanks for coming in yeah. and spend some time this yeah, day. I appreciate sure. it. Yeah, it's I always good to get together. Yep. Um, we'll put some information up on the website about RepIQ, and you can uh, you can check to check out the the software, check out the company, and check out Sean's background too. Um, you know where to find us at GetSynapse.com. Look forward to seeing you next time on Journeys. Thanks again cool. for coming in. All right. Thanks, man. All right, man. Yep. Appreciate it.